0: hey what up it's mark carter i'm the pastor of fierce church welcome to our podcast i'm so pumped that you're able to join us today i hope this encourages you inspires you strengthens you gives you hope to keep pressing on and it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of god's love for you enjoy the message
1: amen welcome everyone good morning Hey, okay. I'm Kenzie. It's good to see you today. Are y'all doing good? Good? Okay. We're in the middle of a series called How There how to face almost anything and we're in this series there is still hope right and today we're going to be looking at praising God before the deliverance arrives praising God before the deliverance arrives that we need to worship God that we need to talk ourselves into worshiping God before we see the deliverance and we will go on to the Heights if we would just worship God right now in the midst of it all. So this week I have been learning about Alan Gardner, who was a missionary in the mid 1800s and he was on his way to South America and he was going to start a new mission with this team. But unfortunately they got shipwrecked and I'm assuming they prayed and prayed for deliverance to come and they ended up dying of starvation. But when the rescuers finally found them, months later, underneath Alan Gardner was this psalm written out in his personal journal. Psalm 3410. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And under that, it gets it's even more. Underneath that verse was this final phrase. I am overwhelmed with the sense of the goodness of God. Wow in the middle of that trial in the middle of the hardship that is what he penned you see we can infer the goodness of God when everything is going right right but when everything is going wrong Alan Gardner personally knew the goodness of God he knew how good God was even though everything was falling apart around him so what do we do when what we see in front of us is not what we believe in our heart What do we do when we're crying out to God, believing that he'll hear our prayer, believing that he'll move in a way that brings relief or blessing or provision, and yet God doesn't, that nothing happens yet. Our suffering is either going to lead us onto the heights, or it is going to cause us to crumble. And so we need to learn how to rejoice in our suffering. Amen? there's power in praise, my friends. So we've been in this series and we've been learning about Habakkuk. And so I'm going to I'm gonna take the word Habakkuk today. That's how I pronounce his name. So dig it. So Habakkuk has been asking God to intervene against the corruption of his nation. And God says, actually, I'm going to send your enemies, the Babylonians, and they're going to come and attack you. But he spends all of chapter two telling Habakkuk how this is going to be okay that he is going to use these people, but their pride is going to be their downfall. And there will be a time where Habakkuk's people are back on that same ground, rebuilding again. And this steadies him and calms him by the knowledge that God is indeed still in control and that he can trust his future to an all wise God. And in Habakkuk 2.20, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. This is one of those moments where your hands are raised and you are surrendered to God. He is God and I am not. And I am choosing to trust him. It reminds me a little bit of Psalm 4610, which says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored in every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. So Habakkuk goes on, and we're going to be planted today in Habakkuk 3, and he has this song prayer that he writes in response to God, in response to all that God has told him. And it starts in verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, on Shuganoth, on what? Right? What does that mean? Sometimes when we see things like sugaroth or other things, we're we just go right past it because I don't know what that means. But we did some research. Actually, Craig Rochelle helped us do some research this week about what sugaroth means. Okay, this is really good. Okay? Suganauth is a musical term about instructing a congregation of people how to sing a song. Okay, so it's like if Pastor Brandon got up here and he's like, I want you to sing this next song, like a love song to God. Okay? He's instructing his people how to sing. But check this out. Anshuganoth means to sing with strong emotion, with impassioned exuberance, with wild passionate singing, with rapid changes of rhythm. It means high spirited praise and vigorous enthusiasm. Amen, in the middle of this trial, right? That's how he's instructing his people how to praise the Lord. This is not some sad country song, y'all, okay? And I love country, but it is not about how my love left me and my truck broke down and my dog kicked me out of the house. Like, that's not what this is about. One, um, one um, commentator said, it is praise punctuated with exclamation marks. That is what he's doing. In chapter 3, Habakkuk is doing this full body, all in exuberant worship to God before God did what he wanted God to do. Wow. Sometimes our most passionate, authentic praise is actually before we see the provision. Amen. That is where the power is. That is where we meet Jesus himself in the middle of our trial and it's a praise simply based on faith it is about the who it is about who god is not what we need but who god is it's about what god not about what god has done for us but about about who he is it's about his character about his nature about his goodness about his glory and he is worthy to be praised just for who he is before anything happens. And now Habakkuk like gets a little fiery and he's like, we're gonna praise now y'all. And he says in verse two, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Habakkuk is like, I have read the Bible. I know what you have done. I have heard about the ways that you have moved. God do it again do it again in our time he says I want you to be the God of the Bible in my life I want you to do what you do right here in me I want you to do what I have seen and heard you do in the word so how are we able to face almost anything with God well number one we need to remember we need to remember My friends, there is something so powerful about looking back and remembering what God has done in your life. It gives us confidence when we think about how God has been faithful, how he's delivered us, how he's healed us, how he's done the things that like only God could do. When we think about those things, it gives us a hope and confidence as we look ahead to what God could do. We can do the same thing with the word of God. It's not just what he's done in our life, but we can look back at the pages of scripture and read the stories and proclaim those same things over our life. Because guess what? That's our history, too. That's our history, too. And so we can look at the word of God and we can say, God, do this again in my husband's life, in my coworker's life, in my friend's life, in our church. God, do it again. And that's just what Habakkuk is doing. In the next 12 verses, verses 3 through 15, Habakkuk retells the Exodus story. He tells, Habakkuk describes God's fearsome power on display. God, I remember the stories of you, how you brought the nation of Egypt to its knees, how you parted the Red Sea, how you caused us to walk through on the dry ground. God, I remember how you, when the enemies were up against us, that you caused that water to fall back down on them. God, I remember you brought us to Mount Sinai. God, I remember when you made the sun stand still for Joshua and he could go on. God, I remember when you provided manna from heaven. God, I remember the meat from the bird and the water from the rock. I remember when you shut the mouths of the lions when they were trying to eat Daniel, right? And you shut those mouths so that he could be delivered. God, I remember when Rakshak and Benny went into that fire and there were four in the fire. And when they came out of the fire, they weren't even burned. God, I remember, God, when you raised a dead boy through Elijah. God, I remember when you spoke life into dry bones and they came to life. God, I remember you. Habakkuk is reminding himself who God is. Yes. Sometimes we need to stir ourselves up, y'all. We need to grab ourselves by the collar and say, hey, you need to remember. So over the past few months, my family has found ourselves on family nights up in Mark in my room. And we've been watching family videos and pictures of like past Christmases and birthdays and all sorts of stuff. And not only does it make me want more kids and like, let's just do this all over again, right? But there's something more. It reminds me of God's faithfulness. As I'm watching these scenes take place, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you were here. God, I remember when you delivered us out of that. God, I remember how you ministered to us in this place. And there's something so special and so powerful about just remembering God and what he's done. Sometimes when we're in the thick of the valley or in the valley and in the thick of it, facing a prognosis that is so scary, grieving over the loss of a loved one, going wondering how we're going to get out of debt how god is going to heal our marriage we're wondering how god is going to open the door for that thing that's been in our heart forever and we just don't know how he's going to move there's something so simple and powerful about just remembering the goodness and faithfulness of god about just thinking about it and steeping in it because he was faithful then And he's going to be faithful now. And my friends, he's going to be faithful in the future because that's who he is. Amen. Amen. So God, I choose to remember that is where the power is. It's in that choice. It's in, I know what I'm facing, but I'm choosing to remember you, God. I remember your faithfulness, your goodness, your justice, your presence. I remember God, when you glorified yourself here, when you made a way where there was not a way, God, I remember you. And there are three things I think y'all need to remember about God's power. Are you ready? Number one, God is not short on power. God is not short on power. Your God manipulated the most powerful nations at will. He controlled the sun and the moon, and he split the seas. Like, that's your God. He is not limited by anything. And your problem, though it is really big to you, it is not a problem for your God. He enters into your problem. He enters into your space because he loves you and he cares for you so much and he wants to walk you through it. But let me tell you, it's no trouble for him. He can snap his fingers and move mountains. He can change things in an instant. He is that God. Impossible is not part of his language, amen? He can move. Second thing you need to know, and this is a mama word. Are y'all ready for a mama word? Okay, it's kind of a doozy. God is not accountable to you. Yeah. (laughs) God is not accountable to you. God does not have to do things the way that you think they should be done. God does not have to follow your timeline, although it is very pretty. And like me, if you're like me, you've put stickers on it and like made it all pretty. It's wonderful, but God does not have to follow it. God knows the way. He has the way, amen? He doesn't owe us anything, and he doesn't owe us an explanation for what he's doing. He is God, and he is holy, and he is good. And God has his own way through each and every one of our trials. Job Job 48 says, Do you presume to tell me what I'm doing wrong? Are you calling me a sinner so you can be a saint? Ugh right? Right in the belly. Sometimes we do this, right? We accuse God. Why are you doing it this way? Why haven't you moved yet in my life? When are you going to break through in this situation? And we start to accuse God. But my friends, God's ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he sees everything from beginning to end. And he knows the way. My family and I love the show Mandalorian, oh my goodness. If you have not seen the Mandalorian yet, you really need to see it. But anyway, they have this mantra that they say, they say, and then all the other Mandalorians repeat it. They say, this is the way. And then all the other people say, this is the way, right? And it usually happens when they're about to do something noble, but it's gonna be costly to themselves. And so they say, this is the way. And then all the other Mandalorians repeat, this is the way. Well, as Mark and I have been thinking about that, and we're looking back on different times in our life where we were like, when God, when? Why God, why? Right? And so we started in our house saying, he is the way. He is the way. And when we say it, everybody says, he is the way. Right? He is the way. And if i can cling to the knowledge of how he will get me through this i just need to cling to jesus in it and he will deliver me and can i tell you something wherever he's going that's where i want to be i want to go where he's going i don't want to go my own way what am i going to do by myself i need to go with jesus so i'm going to bind myself to him so let's try it he is the way amen See, and this is 3rd third, the third one. This is really good news. God has not given up on us. Amen. He has not given up on us. In the Exodus, God was delivering his people from slavery and their captivity of 400 years in Egypt. And this was a picture of our self-imposed slavery to sin. They were stuck and they had no way out. They had nothing that they could do. But God didn't create us to suffer. We as a people have um, ourselves been, have been rejecting God and we have a rebellion that all of us have participated in that has led to this. And this is why he sent Jesus on the cross to deliver us, not only from our own sin, but to give us a new heart that is empowered by him to do what he has called us to do. And our spiritual health will be much improved if we would just think on the gospel If we would just think on what God has done for us. What Jesus has done for us on the cross. Amen? Amen. Sometimes when I'm questioning God and thinking back, I need to remember some things. Are you ready to hear some of my things? Okay, so I remember before we were married, Mark and I, we couldn't talk without fighting. At all. Every conversation was a because we didn't know how to talk to each other. And God sent a counselor that like totally revolutionized our communication. I remember when God took us on a year long journey back to a place that I thought we'd never go back to again, but in that he used that to redeem almost every single relationship that was wounded or broken from our church split over 10 years ago. I saw him do it. I remember when God gave me a job as a principal, I am so unqualified to be a principal, y'all. Like I was not only what am I unqualified, but at the interview I was pregnant with my Skyler, and yet I went in to go get a teaching position, and they gave me a principal job. It was God. I remember how God opened the door for Mark to start leading the college ministry, that led to Torch, that led to Torch of Faith, that led to Fierce. God, I remember the day that you healed my husband. I remember that day I remember how God brought relationships into our lives that are the most dearest most meaningful relationships in my life but I prayed for those in the middle of the valley when I had nothing and no one God I remember how you allow us to lead this amazing congregation of people that I love so much remembering is powerful It's really, really powerful, and it leads to praise because sometimes we just need to praise God. I need to praise God when my Emily was sick. I need to praise God right now because it's taken a lot longer for my husband to get better. Y'all can pray for him. He needs prayer, but You know, I need to praise God right now. I need to praise God when my kids are going through hard times, when anxiety is flaring up or things are just hard in their lives. I need to praise God. I need to praise God when people hate on my husband. Like, I need to praise him in it. When we remember what he has done, it is easy to believe what God is going to do. Amen. What, What does Habakkuk do after remembering who God has been to him? he does this number two he rejoices he rejoices you guys in verse 16 it says i heard and my heart pounded my lips quivered at the sound decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Can you just see Habakkuk in this moment? His legs are shaking. He's quivering. He's afraid as he looks at what is coming. God is going to raise up the Babylonians to destroy his people. He knows that it is going about to go from bad to worse, that there is going to be tremendous suffering. But did you catch what he said? He said, Yet. Yet is one of those most powerful words that in the midst of everything going on and you can say, yet, I will wait patiently. For some of us right now, you know what it means to go from bad to worse. Some of you are looking at your situations going, Kenzie, it's bad right now, but I can see it's going to get worse. You are in that place right now to stand strong on the rock of Christ and say, yet, I will wait patiently for the Lord. He will deliver me. He is going to come and meet me in this place. In Hebrew, in this instance, wait patiently means deep peace and repose or rest. So as he's standing there waiting patiently, he is not filled with anxiety. He's filled with deep peace and rest because he knows his God is going to deliver him. In verse 17, it says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle, so sad, in the stalls. You might say it this way, though I'm still praying and I'm not seeing an answer. Though we're still believing to conceive and yet we have not conceived. Though I'm still praying for reconciliation in my marriage, but I feel like we are going farther and farther apart. Though I'm still asking God for that job, for that provision, for that blessing, for that answer. And I still have not seen it. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my savior. Like the wind's blowing a tree this way and that way, it plants its roots down deep into the soil, and those roots keep it steady in the midst of any storm. And like trees, we can do the same thing when we put our roots down deep into the word of God. And that word of God holds us steady no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, no matter what storms may blow. I can stand strong on the rock of Christ and say, yet I will rejoice. No matter what I'm seeing, no matter what the storm may bring, I will stand here in faith because of my God. Rejoicing is not just enduring, you guys. It's not just, oh, it's fine. It's not pretending it's not true. Habakkuk doesn't resolve to make the most of a bad situation. It's so much deeper than that. What he does is he looks the truth in the face. And he says, this isn't good. This isn't good. He says, this is going to get worse. There are no grapes coming. There's no blossoms coming. There's only judgment coming. But in this moment, he makes a choice. Just like he made the choice to remember, he is making the choice to rejoice. Praise is where the power is. Say it again, praise is where the power is. Amen, oh, you repeated me, cool. <laughs> All right, so in Philippians 4.4, 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. How can Paul command us to rejoice in the Lord? Because this is not about a feeling. It's not about how I feel about my situation. It's not about how I feel about the circumstance around me or what's going on in me, it is a discipline. It is a choice I am making to rejoice. It is something I do. It's not about, do I like this? No, it asks, how does God want this to be an opportunity for me to grow closer to his heart? How does God want this to be an opportunity for me to untie some of the ties I have to this world? How does God want this situation right now in my life to cause me to draw so near to Jesus that I find my rest under the shadow of his wings and I grow closer to him than I've ever been before. Hmm. It is a choice to posture our hearts to what you know to be true, even when you don't feel it. Hmm. It decides to rejoice in the Lord right in the thick of it. This rejoicing happens during suffering, not after it. It's right in the middle of it. And sometimes we feel like, well, I can either suffer or I can be full of peace. But God has made a way that we can be both. We can have that grief. We can have the suffering, but we can also rejoice in the middle of it. This joy that what happens is that praise, when we speak it out of our mouths, it changes the atmosphere around us. When we start to praise out of our mouths, what is dark, it's painted light. And that light floods into our lives. Amen? And in that, this joy enables you to feel your grief, which is so real. It's real. But it produces a result that things aren't necessarily going to change, but I'm at peace with it, and I can go on with the Lord. I can keep walking with Jesus. So what is Habakkuk doing here? We learned during the first installment of this series that Habakkuk's name means to wrestle and to embrace. It means I don't understand God, but I trust you. He's wrestling and he's embracing. So what do we do when we are in the valley? We remember the goodness of God. We embrace him. Though we may wrestle, though we may not understand, we still attach ourselves to Jesus and we don't Let go. Don't let go of Jesus. So some of you have been sharing things with me. I have the privilege of hearing a lot of your hearts, whether in the hallway or around my dinner table. And it's a privilege to hear what's going on in your life. And I just want to speak because everybody's going through something. Like we're all having a hard time. We're all going through something that is really hurting our heart. And so I just want to speak these things over you. He is with you. God is with you. God is still leading you. And he's not just leading you, he's leading you the very best way. God will never forsake you. He will never, ever let you go. And even if we can't get this mountain to move, he's going to take you over the mountain. He is going to send rescue for you because he is the rescuer. He is going to be your strength, and he is going to be your joy, and he is going to be glorified in even this. That Shuganoth praise, it comes from the depths. It comes from our inner man or woman. This faith that worships when everything is not right. This is a faith that gives God praise when you don't like what you see. This isn't a half-hearted, partial declaration to God. This is looking bad news in the face and still declaring, I still trust you, God. I still rejoice. I still will continue to embrace your goodness because you are faithful. In verse 19, it says this, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights for the director of music on stringed instruments. Beautiful. In ancient times, the summit or the heights, were for, it was a really good place to be because you were safe from all your enemies and you could see everything going on around you. And the feet, like the feet of a deer, means you are sure-footed. I don't think we have any mountain deer around here in Illinois. Like we have deer, but not mountain deer. Okay, no mountains. But have you ever seen on the Discovery Channel or Animal Planet, like deer on the mountains? They're so nimble. They're like, oh you know they just totally glide along the mountains it's amazing like can you imagine us on the mountains like we would be like oh like we would just fall and slip and it would just be a mess right i can't even walk down the hallway without tripping like for real like i trip all the time so not a deer. but when god becomes your strength Your joy, this is what you and I will be like. We will be like those sure-footed deer in the midst of our trial. We will be strong and we will be stable and we will be praising God just because of who he is. And we will be on along the heights, skipping along. Just like the thermostat kicks on the heat when it gets cold. And sometimes it gets really cold. Sometimes it gets really hard. If you allow the sorrow and grief to drive you into Jesus, you will feel the warmth of his presence. He will meet you in it. He will not leave you. Praise produces a confidence in God, which is ultimately more satisfying than any answers you may want or desire. So God has been taking me through my own trial of learning to embrace him in the midst of suffering. Mm. But as I wrestled with the Lord, he brought verses to mind. He reminded me that as the farmer lies, lies the field fallow, he produces a greater crop. And then he started reminding me about John 15 and the fact that he prunes to bear more fruit. And so there's something in me that it's like, okay, God, I've taken this step of obedience. And I think it's really, important to know that all of us are gonna need to surrender something at some point or another. There's things that God is gonna call us to lay down, but there is such a joy in following Jesus and following his obedience. And let me tell you, like, as I've laid it down, as I've surrendered it, there has been such a deep peace and rest in my heart. I grieve and I'm sad but there is a Shuganoth praise rising up inside of me because I don't know what God's gonna do, but I believe he's gonna move. He's gonna do something better than I could ever imagine or dream of because he's my God. And so in the middle of this, in the middle of this wrestling, I am embracing Jesus and embracing his way and trusting that he is going to lead us the very best way. Amen? Amen. So at the end of this, habakkuk has fixed his hopes on god and he realizes that god does take an interest in his creatures that he is the source of the prophet's strength and his joy so habakkuk has gone now from complaining to confidence from doubt to trust from strength to more and more joy from the valley to the high hills fierce church shouldn't we be doing that too shouldn't we be doing that very thing Cause when I see the goodness of God displayed at the cross, not only do I have faith to endure a trial ahead of me, I yearn to see his goodness break out into this generation. I yearn to see his do miracles. I want to see what he did in the Bible now. I want to see him break out now in this place, in my friends' lives, in my kids' lives, in our city, in our church, in our area. I want to see him move. So I will choose to praise the Lord. I will choose to plant my feet. I will choose to raise my voice. I will choose to lift my hands. I will choose to rejoice. I will choose to shake it off. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to praise you and thank you. God, we do today just plant our feet on the rock. And God, I don't know what everybody is going through in this room and what trials they're facing, but I know you do. And God, I pray that you would meet them in the midst of their trials that you would move in their hearts, that you would help them to remember what you've done. And God, I pray that you would put in them a new song, a new praise God for you, Jesus, because you are worthy and you are holy and you are good. I pray for a sugar praise to rise up in this body, God, that praises you for your faithfulness. God, we love you and we trust you in Jesus name, amen.
0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.